This episode of the New Christendom Daily is taken from a live radio broadcast. There's no scripts. There's no do-overs. There's no cuts. It's just from a live radio show done by a guy with a microphone and a set of earbuds and a radio show who pours his heart, his mind, and his body and soul into one thing, bringing about the New Christendom Daily. Let's pick up where we left off. This is uh, Speaker Mike Johnson. His first speech in front of the House of Representatives, Speaker, this is number four. Uh, I'm sorry, number five about restoring the faith in government here. That's a tall order. I don't care who it is that's carrying it out. Mike Johnson from uh, Louisiana. Go Tigers. The challenge before us is great. But the time for action is now, and I will not let you down. I want to say to the American people, on behalf of all of us here, we hear you. We know the challenges you're facing. We, we know that, uh, that there's a lot going on in our country domestically and abroad, and we are ready to get to work again to solve those problems, and we will. Our mission here is to serve you well, to restore the people's faith in this House, in this great and essential institution. Now, the next one, okay, you notice he said institution, essential institution. He didn't say sacred. That's a good thing. The next one is really good because he quotes, well, I'll let you hear it. Number six. It was in 1962, in 1962, that, that our national motto, In God We Trust, was adorned above this rostrum. And if you look at the little uh, guide that they give uh, tourists and constituents who come and, and, and visit the house, if you turn in there to about page 14 in the middle of that guide, it tells you the history of this. And it says very simply, these words were placed here above us. This motto was placed here as a rebuke of the Cold War era philosophy of the Soviet Union. That philosophy was Marxism and communism, which begins with the premise that there is no God. This is a critical distinction that is also articulated in our nation's birth certificate. We know the language well, the famous second paragraph that we used to have children memorize in school and, and they don't do that so often anymore, but they should. G.K. Chesterton was the famous British philosopher and statesman, and he said one time, America is the only nation in the world that is founded upon a creed. And he said it's listed with almost theological lucidity in the Declaration of Independence. What is our creed? We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, not born equal, created equal. That's a big distinction. The, the same inalienable rights, with the same inalienable rights, life, liberty, pursuit of happiness. That is, the, that is the creed that has animated our nation since its founding, that has made us the great nation that we are. Now, I take issue with the first thing being Israel, but I can, uh, I am heartened. I have hope <laughs> beyond the theological virtue of hope. I have hope when he quotes Chesterton, that could be, you're my boy, Blue. <laughs> you could be my boy. You're my boy, Mike. Go Tigers. And then when he emphasizes and repeats himself, created equal. Not born. 
not born, created equal. Ooh, folks, this sent Adam Schiff into a Twitter storm of profanity. Schiff thinks this is the end of the world. No dismembering babies in Congress anymore. All right, quickly, I want to go back to Mish one more time on the home sales, because I think that this is important. Now, we all want an economy. We don't want an economy. We don't want a Christian economy, because as usual, we don't want a Christianized version of the current economy, because there's usury in it. We want a Catholic economy. We want the economy of Christendom, which isn't an economy at all. It is a system of vocation and trade and exchange, as John Sharp will help me explain tomorrow in episode 13 of Economics for Hell and Family, Economics as His Families Mattered. Get the pre- previous 12 episodes at crusademax.com. Mish has another story on his blog. I'll send Maggie the link so she can put it in the chat room. Well, there. I just, I, I'm just, try, I'm trying to help assist out. Existing home sales dropped to another two percent, another two percent to a 13-year low. Uh, they dropped two percent in September to a seasonally adjusted rate of 3.9. I already told you that. Uh, the median existing home sales price grew 2.8 percent. Now, why is the sale price going? Yet the amount of transactions is going down. Well, there is inflation. And if you're going to keep up with it and you have an existing home, new homes are running away. A home that is not, they couldn't hold a candle to mine. That's a 16th of a mile away, sold last week for about $20 a square foot more than what the asking price for this one is. So I think there are, I'm going to have to adjust my price to keep with these people. But as Mish says, this is not a sales crash. It's a transaction crash. And that there's a there's a major distinction there. He says this. Yes, this is a crash. Existing home sales are down 37.5% in the last two in less than two years. Existing home sales are back to a level seen in the mid-1970s. Mid-1970s, 1977 to be exact. This is a transaction crash, not a price crash. Prices have not crashed, but transactions have. Crashes are rare, but we are in one now. People who want to move are effectively trapped in their homes because they don't want to trade a sub-3% mortgage to an 8%. This crash is likely to last longer because interest rates are likely to stay higher for longer because the Fed fears stoking more inflation. Home sales mean, uh, now listen, this is really just good common sense. Home sales mean appliance sales. New furniture, new cabinets, new carpet, landscaping, etc. Who doesn't spend a lot of money when they move into a new home? Yes, from a price perspective, the bubble is it still expanding? As with the previous, and he has charts here, for 12 years, home prices, rent, the overall CPI, and hourly earnings are, are, are all rose together. That changed in 2000 with another trend line uh, touch in 2012. And then, and then he asked the question, how much are homes overpriced? If the 12-year trend of home prices rising with average hourly rainy, uh, earnings stayed intact, 
the home price index would be 211, not 308. From that, we can calculate home prices are, and you, there's, there, there, there's a 308 minus 211 divided by 211. Uh, you get a percent too high, roughly 46% too high. You, if you prefer, home prices would need to fall roughly 31% to keep up with the raise in wages. Now, that should make sense to anyone that has an analytical sort of brain. Alternatively, home sales stay stagnant for years. Wages may eventually catch up. And then he has more on this. It's, it's, just, it's, 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 it's interesting to me what's happening here because if you listen to pe people, they always, again, you have the fortune of having a host that's been around a block a time or two. I've been doing this since the 1990s, and I was listening to this stuff going on in the late 80s. I wasn't doing anything about it. I didn't have a radio show or anything of the sort. I, I, I was kind of blogging, if you will, back then. So uh, I know a little bit about this. I've been covering this for a while. There is so much that is linked to the construction industry, if you will, and to homes. What do you do in a home? You eat, you sleep, you be married, you party. Appliances go out, you replace them, you do renovations, you do painting. If it's a new home, you buy all sorts of furniture, you have all sorts of new accoutrement, you got to buy whole garden hoses and whatnot. If you have an old home, an old foggy, fuddy-duddy home like mine, you don't have to do most of, much, most of that. Unless something breaks, and then you got to fix it. Now, maybe this is ultimately a good thing. Maybe people are being forced to stay sedentary, if you will, and stay in their communities. Maybe they're going to have to go like, well, I can't just leave my neighbors, even though I don't like them. <laughs> You're going to have to go out and get to know them again. He makes a point here, though, and I, and I hate to dawdle on the song, and I'm going to move on now. But he makes a point, though, about... If you start lowering the interest rates, you're going to fire inflation right back up. And if you fire inflation right back up, people already can't buy dozens of eggs. <laughs> I don't think that that's a good idea. Now, this is all of our own making here. The government made this. The federal government, the regime leader, they're all in on this. They have all made this. Here's the question that will really perplex you and then maybe anger you. Who ultimately has to pay for all this? Sure. Who, who, who ultimately pays for this? You do. The little guy pays for this. Joe Yeah. The little guy pays for this. The big guy's not going to pay for this. He's insulated. He certainly isn't going to, well, move it on up. He ain't going to be moving up from his... 7,000 square foot, $21 million mansion. If he doesn't go bankrupt, he's going to stay. He has a lot more cushion than you do. If this thing crashes like it ought to and the little guy has to absorb the brunt, who do you think they're going to blame? This is why, you know, when Magdalene and I were talking about the um, uh, how the, the the Republicans, if they were smart, fire Rona McDaniel, bring Rice, Rice Priebus back, do, do some other things. Just go, just, do, just deal with it. Trump is the nominee. Even if he runs from a jail cell, which Eugene Debs did, and so did William Jennings Bryan, 
So don't tell me that he can't run from a jail cell because he can. Then he can pardon himself. Stop the nonsense of this campaign. Say Vivek is the vice president or whoever. Just give it to Trump and then make a plan. Tell the American Shersons, the sheeple, out there, look, this is what we're going to do. You only have to endure this crap for another 13 months. And then we're going to fix it. But you have to send us here with big enough majorities. This is not a hard, so it's not even a heavy lift. If an idiot like me can figure this out, why can't they? You say, I need a majority in the House of Representatives, I need a majority in the Senate, and I need a majority in governor's mansions at, to support the whole thing. After people have seen their livelihoods destroyed, after they have seen their children run over by illegal aliens who shouldn't be in the, in the, in the country, after their jobs have been stolen, after they've seen the violent, the rise in violent crime, after they they can't go into their cities for a theater or a movie night anymore. Nobody's going to drive into the city of New Orleans if you live where I live to go have a night out in the town. We want to survive. <laughs> we want to live. The same is true in every major city in the United States because they are Democrat hell holes. An 11-year-old could run the campaigns coming up and figure out a winning strategy. It's not that hard. But how do you fix the damage that these A-clowns have done? You know, I wish I had the answer, and I don't know that there is a simple answer. Uh, uh, other than, remember yesterday we talked about which states are the least less religious and there's nine of them that make up the old confederacy is there something happening out there American people are saying 38% of Trump people 41% of Biden people they think it's time to pick weapons up and take, take to the streets and commit acts of violence against their political opponents that kind of stuff leads to wars so I don't know where all this is going, but I can tell you this. There is one place that is a refuge called the church. Especially if you are a Catholic out there. Maybe you've fallen away from the faith. Never a better time to come back, yo. Find yourself where a tradition is, or a sacred tradition is being practiced. Go find it. Start practicing it. And you know what? You pretty much won't care. <laughs> what the enemy is doing in Gaza or anywhere else or what the enemy is doing in New Tenochtitlan City is you will start caring about what is going on and the enemy that is agitating around you. And I think at the end of the day, that is probably the most prudent thing anyone could suggest to any of you that are listening to do. Get local. Get local fast.